Hello, and welcome to Just Punk Enough. I am your host, Andy Harrison. It is another great night of punk rock. I have an awesome show for you tonight. I got to do an interview with a legend, Eddie Shaw. Eddie Shaw was in The Monks. The Monks are a band made up of GIs in Germany, American GIs. 1963, they began, and uh, they're kind of the godfathers of punk rock, a lot of people say. Very underground. I didn't know about them for years and years. Uh, my Uncle Tom introduced me to them about a long time ago, and I kind of just dismissed them. Um, but they were brought to light in like 99 or so. And uh, listening to them now, super stripped down, very, um, you know, racy lyrics for 1964 era. They are a punk band for sure. I got to sit down with Eddie Shaw. He is from Carson City, which is crazy. And uh, he let me uh, speak to him in person. Thank you so much, Eddie. It was awesome. He showed me pictures, played some music for me. And uh, I got to talk to him. He has an awesome story. And, um, you know, a lot of people have been influenced by the monks. So, Eddie has a book out. You should go check it out. And uh, it is called uh, Black Monk Time. And uh, let's play some tunes and uh, listen to this interview, man. It's pretty awesome. So, enjoy. I'd like to know about your your Carson City background. Well, I grew up in Carson City. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was in high school, when I was 15 years old, I joined the high school. I was a member of the Carson City High School Band under our, uh, the jazz band, mm-hmm. which is five guys. It was okay. a select group. And uh, that was Paul Brown, people like that. And... Uh, we, from there, we went on to become, well, we were playing Dixieland. Uh-huh. And then uh, then my first professional engagement was at the Nugget, the Carson City Nugget. And I was 15. Mm-hmm. We were on the B stage, a stage behind, behind the, the regular stage in a smaller room. Wayne Newton was on the front stage. Yeah. He was 12. Wow. And that was where I began my first first uh, professional, I guess if you call it that. Yeah. I guess if, that you could call it that. <laughs> right. So you were into jazz when you were young? Well, I was in, yeah, I was playing Dixieland because that's what it was. Yeah. And then I got into Miles Davis and all that. Mm-hmm. And then I learned how to make his sounds and stuff yeah. like that. And I played that. Then I, and then I worked around the Carson City, Reno area, all the way up uh, uh, the Mount Rose Highway, the place up there, all kinds of places around here. And, yeah. and then uh, 
went that I was getting drafted in the Army, and I decided I would enlist because that way I could choose my profession. Oh, okay. So I said I applied for music. And so they gave me a test, and it was simple. It was uh -huh. really easy. Yeah. And I passed that, and then I was in the 6th Army Band, Fort Ord, south of uh, San Francisco there. Okay. And... Uh, I thought, well, if I'm going to be in the Army for three years, I don't want to be just 250 miles away from home. I <laughs> right. want to see something. Yeah. And I says, so I says, well, can I, can I apply for something else? And they said, sure. Where do, you, where, where do you want to go? And I says, well, I don't know where I want to go, but I just want to get away from here. Because yeah. I know as, growing up as a kid in Carson City, the first thing I wanted to do was I wanted to get the hell out of Carson yeah. City. Yeah. Just, you know, to find something new. Yeah. Not that I, because of Carson City, I, I love Carson City. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, I feel the same way. They sent me to Germany and put me in an artillery outfit. Mm. And there was where my musical direction took a d total different change. Yeah. Is artillery like tanks? No, it's cannons. Oh, okay. I was in, I was in uh, the 6th artillery outfit, and I was a computer. A computer is figures out uh, Pythagoras theorem. Okay. And works on, you know, algebra. Yeah, yeah. Figuring out where the shell is going to land. Yeah. And so my job was to walk around and compute. Yeah. Okay. And they didn't have computers. We were computers. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So you didn't were were you really into the military, or was it something that you were like? This isn't really what I signed up for. Well, or? it wasn't what I signed up for. Yeah. And then I was then I regretted what I the decision I made. Yeah. Because I wish I would have stayed in the Sixth Army Band because that's where uh, uh, Chet Baker was playing. Oh, okay. And uh, the I forget his name. The da 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 da. You know, I mean, he's a he was a pop trumpet player. Okay. Anyway, they all came from the Sixth Army Band. Okay, in the Bay. Yeah. Okay. And uh, but I didn't go there, and for some reason, actually, I'm glad that, as it turned out, it was fate. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. So, were you doing any music while you were in the military at all? Or? Yes, I played drums. Mm -hmm. I played drums in a jazz group and a uh, Dave Brubeck-type group. Right. But you were playing bass in high school and at the Carson Nugget, right? Or no, you... I played trumpet. Oh, you played trumpet. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you've played trumpet, bass, and drums. Yeah. I mean, at this time, you are, you know... Well, I didn't play bass uh, until... I saw these guys, I, the band I was playing with, with in Germany, they broke up mm -hmm. because everybody gets discharged. Yeah. You have to find a new band, you know. Gotcha. And so I found these, I walked into the service club one day and I saw these two guys playing their guitars and they were just doing three chords, yeah. you know, Chuck Berry stuff mm -hmm. or Elvis stuff, you know. And I thought about it. And then I went and bought a bass. And I went downtown in Gelnhausen, bought a bass, brought it home, practiced the three chords, yep. which took about 15 minutes. 
And they went down the next I went down the next day and they were in there and I said, You guys need a bass player. Yeah. And of course we had some fights about that right. because because the Elvis guy who liked Elvis, you know, he says, What's your background and stuff? And I says, Well, I'm a jazz player and he, yeah. and that he immediately hated that. He wanted more rock and roll. Yeah. But anyway, so we uh, we started playing in the local club there. Yeah. And every Saturday night, which I call a Saturday night fights, because uh, it's a GI bar, and yeah. the GIs, there'll be 50 GIs in there and 10 girls. Yeah. And they fight over the girls. Right. And, and it starts, and it gets bad. And the next thing you know, you're dodging beer bottles <laughs> on the stage and yeah. all kinds of stuff. So it's a pretty rough gig. And then the thing is, is then, then, contrary to the rest of us, the organ player always brought his gas mask <laughs> because he knew what was going to happen. Because really? the MPs would come in there, and when the fight's going on, the only way they'd do it was they would throw a gas, gas canister in there. Right. And that would clear everybody out. Was this on the military base? No, it's in the town. Okay. In the little town, Gelnhausen. But the MPs would still be involved? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 And so we'd do that on the weekends. And then when we were getting ready to get out, I was the first one to get out. Uh, an agent came to us mm -hmm. uh, uh, and asked if we would want to stay in Germany. He could get us work every night. Yeah. We said, I said, sure. Talked the other guys into it. We had to change drummers. Uh, and we got a drummer that would stay. And uh, then, yeah, then we found ourselves playing six nights a week on stage, six, uh, seven nights a week. Yeah. Sign a contract for a year, or a month, excuse me. Mm-hmm. And we'd do one month in each place, and there would be no days off. We'd be on stage six hours a night, every night, except on Sundays we'd play eight hours. Wow. Uh, be because of the matinee. Yeah. For the, for the kids. Yeah. Is this in Hamburg? No, it was in all the different places. We didn't play Hamburg until we got to be the monks. Okay. This is before. Yeah, we mainly were, we played... Uh, Firth, uh, Frankfurt, uh, Stuttgart. Stuttgart is where we were discovered by our managers. Okay. Were you the only band, or were there only other bands playing the same gigs as you? No, we were the, Just the, be the only band. Okay. And, you know, and you play that long, six hours a night, you have very boring moments. Oh, yeah. You know? And yeah. so you're just sitting there watching the audience and saying, what are they thinking? What are they doing? Okay, they're talking to each other. Yeah. And, uh-oh, uh that's not good. They're not supposed to be talking to each other. Right. You know, and play and say, well, uh, so at that time, Gary left his guitar amp one night when mm -hmm. he discovered feedback. Yeah. And we started playing with that. And so then every time that we'd see things getting boring, yeah. we would just 
the feedback would come on. Tap into the feedback. Yeah, and loud. And then you see everybody go. <laughs> you know, I read today that uh, uh, you guys are thought to have invented feedback. Invented it, but use it as a tool. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, we use it as a tool. Yeah, that's for sure. Because yeah. the one way you can get people's attention is just blast yeah. them, and right. you know the, the guitar starts howling and everything else, yeah. and you watch everybody. And and what we discovered, but in that that was our learning process. Yeah, because in that process, as we worked every night, we could see that. If people are talking, it's no good. Right. If people are uh, watching you and have these puzzled looks on their face and talking to each other and looking at each other like puzzled, what are they doing up there? Then you know you're being successful. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So is this kind of, was that kind of the beginning of experimenting? Yeah. You know, kind of changing the sound a little bit. Yeah, we, yeah, we began to do it then. Mm -hmm. So, it, were you guys, were you guys the Torques then? Is that the name? Yeah. Okay. Right. Okay, and that's. And that was we were just basically a cover band. Okay, that's mm -hmm. what I was going to ask next. So, yeah. you weren't doing originals yeah. by this time. Mm, we had a couple of original songs, right. but they weren't very good. But if you're going to do eight hours of music, you're going to be covering a lot of songs for sure. Yeah. Well, I, I know our list. Our list was about forty songs. Yeah. Okay. And it was, so you you start at nine o'clock at night, nine to ten, you play the most boring stuff, the stuff that's old on the list. Yeah. And then at at, at ten o'clock to eleven, that's a popular hour. Then you dress up, you go in the dressing room, and and put on. Uh, uh, um, sort of dresses, yeah, and then go out, roll up our pants underneath our dresses, yeah, you know, and then do stuff like play the guitar, and the yeah. lead guitar player shoots the rhythm guitar player, yeah. and he falls it down, yeah, that kind of stuff. We yeah. do that kind of stuff, and then we do that from from ten to eleven, eleven to twelve, while a place like uh, the uh, the bar in uh, the Odeon Keller in, ha in, in Heidelberg, they, uh, from 7 to 9, it would be teenagers. Mm -hmm. And then they had to leave. Yeah. And then from 9 to 11, it would be, uh, or 9 to 12, it would be white GIs. With their girlfriends. Yeah. And then from 12 to 3, it would tra transfer over to black. Mm -hmm. And then our audience would be black. Yeah. So would the, would the covers change for the audiences? Well, yeah. I mean, would, would you get... Um, like Toward, yeah, for the, for the late night people, we play more danceable music. Yeah. 
Do you remember what some of those songs you were covering were at the time? Oh, God. Now that I'm trying to remember, I'm so old I, for, I forget. <laughs> it's okay. It's totally okay. I just was wondering, I mean, who decided what songs you were going to play? Was it just songs that you guys liked, or was it were they songs that you knew that people would dance to? Well, we knew, yeah, there were songs we knew people would dance to. Yeah. So we would do, we would do, we would, we would, we would even do some of Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. You know, Jimi Hendrix would come later. Yeah. Earlier it would be like uh, um, the Beatles. Yeah. You know, or something like that. Yeah. The, the more mushy stuff. Right. Would be earlier. Right. Later it would be the wilder. Right. Rockish stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> so after your after these gigs, how did things kind of transition into your own music? Well, we met these managers, and they, we were playing. We were they watched us experiment with the audience. Okay. And they would see us blasting the room full of feedback yeah. and stuff. And the manager, the club coming up and yell us, "Stop it! Stop it! <laughs> yeah. Stop that!" You know. Anyway, these two guys came up one night and says. Uh, we'd like to manage you. Mm-hmm. And they gave us a, they invited us to their place, showed us a presentation. Uh, one of them was a advertising man for Volkswagen. Okay. And he, he, he did the famous Volkswagen ad where the Volkswagen is out in a desert by itself. Mm-hmm. And he was the one that did that. Oh, okay. And uh, anyway, he says, we can, we can do something with you if you... If you want to work on it, and yeah. I says, "Okay, all right, we'll work on it." So we signed with them, mm-hmm. and uh, they said they had a, a name of a band, Monks. Mm-hmm. Says, "Okay, all right." Says, "We want you, we want you to cut your hair." We says, "No, we won't do that." <laughs> but anyway, we ended up doing it. Yeah. <laughs> and but the other thing was we started working on our. On our songs, and and it, so to play this kind of music, we decided we're going to do original, all original. Yep. But the only way we could do it with a with a band made up of a country western guitar player, uh, 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 Elvis Presley rhythm player, yep. a country swing drummer, a jazz bass player, and a living room organ player. Yeah was we had to disregard the things that we knew ourselves, but we had to learn how to work together. So we had to throw out everything we knew right, in order to become this don't, 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 don't. simplified yeah and then the idea was okay for lyrics we had to find out ways to be sarcastic mm-hmm. uh, ways to um, um, voice our opinion and uh, and that all turned into those songs I hate you but call me yeah or you know 
uh, all of those. Yeah, yeah. So where were you guys at this time? Where you were still? We were then. Then once we did that, they got us a job at the. They got us in a. They got us a month in Hamburg at the mm-hmm. Top Ten Club. Gotcha. That's where the Beatles played. Right. And we played there for a month. And actually, we were surprised. Well, we, when we, we our first gig as a monk, as monks was in in Heidelberg, and when we changed our costumes, we wore black, mm-hmm. and we got the, our tonsils by accident. Really, nobody decided to do that. No, no, somebody. Uh, they wanted us to have buzz cuts, you know. Yeah. And uh, they said, that's going to be radical. <laughs> you know, I says, we're in the Army. We're in the Army. Yeah. We, we got we just got done with that stuff. That's not yeah. buzz cut. That's not radical. Yeah. Anyway, somebody like Roger told him, he says, cut a little hole out here. And as he did it, we all looked at it and gasped <laughs> and couldn't believe it. Yeah. And then we all did it for yeah. some reason. Did you, with the stuff that you were wearing and your haircuts, I mean, how was that perceived? It was really amazing. Yeah. Because the day before we were Torquay's, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden we went to Hamburg. Well, we were in we, our last month in in Heidelberg. We changed over the last month. We came on stage as the monks. Yeah. And everybody hated us. Yeah. They absolutely, why did you do that? Yeah. You ruined yourself. Right. All that stuff. You yeah. Know? Well, then we went to Hamburg, but Hamburg is a little more sophisticated in the music right. spectrum. Yeah. And they uh, immediately, the one thing we noticed is when you're dressed that way, nobody will, kids won't give you eye contact. If, they, if you talk to a kid... They look down, and they'll, they'll just look around, but they won't look at you. Yeah. You know? <clears throat> and you find that old ladies like you. <laughs> really? Until you say a couple of choice words. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, and, and have a shot of scotch yeah. or something, you know. But the audience in Heidelberg, or in Hamburg, I've got some pictures I'll show you if you okay. want to see them. Yeah, for sure. Where you see the audience standing out in the audience... And they're looking down. The whole audience is looking down. Yeah. But they loved us. Yeah. That was really weird. What year was this? That was in in 65, I think. Okay. Because I was thinking that, um, you know, the simplified music, the, you know, the uniforms and kind of like the shock and awe, you know, that's exactly what, the Sex Pistols did, you know, when when punk, yeah. like, really broke. And I was just like, well, you guys were 30, yeah. 40 years before that, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, doing yeah. the same thing. So I was wondering, because the, the crowd reaction to them was a lot of people hated them, and well, the kids loved them. Well, in, playing in the Top Ten Club, that's where the Beatles were from. Yeah. So there's all the well-known people who know the Beatles. Yeah. Including some of the people like, uh, what's his name, who did My Bonnie Lies Over the Ocean. Uh, I don't know. Uh, but anyway. I know the song. But anyway, he was standing there in front of us, and we'd be playing, and he'd be standing down in the audience in front of us, yelling up, You effing 
uh, Yanks. Yeah. You, music, the music belongs to the Brits now. You yeah. guys are nobody. Yeah. You know, and he would yell at us and stuff, and we'd play, and other members of the audience would it'd turn into a sort of a fight, a, sort of a jostling thing. Yeah. Or, and uh, the monks won. I know that's all I can say. <laughs> well, I think it was. Uh, I mean, I listened to it, and it it, and I have to put the year in perspective. It's like way different than anything at that time. You know what I mean? And it's it's not necessarily offensive, but if you think about what it was you're like, testing then, the limits. Yes, you're, you're testing the limits, and I think. <laughs> That's what I love about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know that's what I. That's what draws me to and it. And my mom taught me better than that. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I do the same thing. My mom, I went to, you know, Catholic school and yeah. and but I love punk rock and I like pushing that envelope and <laughs> I don't know. I I know I know what you mean. So. I come back to Carson City and when I when it, when it all fell apart and came back to Carson City, I brought the records with me and she, my mom played piano. And uh, and she she just turned off. She yeah. just kind of, oh, that's nice, or yeah. something, and walked away, you know. Yeah. And it was like my uncle who and my aunt, who played in a country and western band, Sierra Range Riders in Carson City, mm-hmm. he said, Eddie, you used to be better than that. <laughs> well, I didn't know anything was going to happen until... Yeah. One day, I, I after I wrote the book, yeah, um, I studied under Gil Ralston and uh, out in Genoa. Uh-huh. He, he was a well-known writer, yeah, and a teacher, and, and I studied under him for five years, and uh, I wrote all kinds of books, yeah. But then he, I t- he told him my background. He says, "You got to write a book about that." Oh yeah. So I wrote a book about that, yeah, and that got attention, yeah, and then. Uh, in Carson City, one morning I was, somebody knocked on the door and I opened up the door and these two guys standing there. They said, is this where Eddie Shaw that from the monks live? And I went, uh-oh. Holy Christ. <laughs> I said, yeah. Anyway, that started it. Yeah. And then they had a, a magazine, a fanzine, yeah. Ugly Things, out of San Diego. And it got in there and then it went all over the place. Yeah. So... In Hamburg, have you guys recorded by now? I mean, you're you're you well, just yeah, became we, the monks. And yeah, you just we got recorded the before we went to Hamburg. Okay, we 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 practiced for a year. Yeah, to become this. Okay, so we st- we studied everything from uh, as our as our managers would teach us or tell us. The Beatles says. The Beatles are very smart with what they do. Mm-hmm. They know how to do this. They know how to do that. And they, and it's sort of you learn, in a way, it's kind of like manipulating your way through existence, I right. guess. Right. So you have to learn uh, to be mean, to... to be uh, a little bit fresh and and uh, and give answers that doesn't make any sense. Right. And I can still do that. 
And so when we d- finished the album, the album wasn't exactly right. Mm-hmm. It was a little bit too radical. Okay. And so we, so we went to Polydor. Polydor uh, brought Jimmy, or uh, Jimmy Bovine in, our producer, and he, we smoothed things out a little bit. Did you have to re-record, or did you just? Yeah, take... we re- we okay. re-recorded. Okay. We re we re uh, arranged everything. Okay. Before it was all jump bump and start beginnings and endings. No transitions, no nothing. Oh. And then, so to make it a little bit more acceptable, we smoothed it out a little bit. Yeah. Who's, but, whose idea was the banjo? I mean, did, did our, you, were you guys using the banjo before no, the No, our manager suggested that. Okay. Because I, I never knew there was a banjo until I read something, and then I started listening. I'm like, how did I not hear the banjo? But it's... <laughs> It helps the drums with that rhythm. It's like, well, it's perfect. Let's do it! Okay, somebody's not playing melody, somebody's playing backup, somebody's playing this part, and somebody's playing this part. Yeah. We're all playing melody. Right. Everybody has to think about melody. Yeah. And so it's um, bump, 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 bump. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, bump, bump, bump. You know, but everybody's doing something that has something to do with rhythm. Yeah. So were you guys experimenting in the studio at all? or, or were Yeah, you... we experiment in the studio sometimes. Yeah. And because um, I know, like when the Beatles recorded, I mean, you guys were recording on a four track, yeah, right. And mm-hmm. I know when the Beatles recorded, they're doing all this experimental sounds, like to get their reverb, they'd have certain walls and certain right. rooms, and right. I, I I can't even imagine, you know, how they got those sounds. Is there anything unique that you remember about? Well, when we first went in there, we were playing. The first record we made was in the Torquays, uh-huh. and when we made that recording, we recorded in a studio that you had to play quiet. Oh, really? Everybody had to be quiet <laughs> because of what they call a sound separation. Okay. You don't want your sound mixing yeah. with the other guys. Yeah. And so everybody had to keep it down. And so, but our manager says, to hell with them. Yeah. You put it out there. Just blow it out. Yeah. So we got in the studio, and we started playing, and I saw the engineer throw something up in the air, <laughs> yeah. and he acted like he was going to walk out. <laughs> and, and our producer says, well, he comes in and he says, well, we're going to have to do something different here. I don't know how we're going to do this. Yeah. And so they had never done this before. Right. <clears throat> so they separated us in different corners of a huge room. With booths. I got gotcha. you. So we could play, but the booths would be contained. Yeah. And we could still see each other. Yeah. And then we had to use earphones. I got gotcha. you. And uh, that's kind of how we did it. Yeah. Do you remember what equipment you used for your bass? I used uh, Selmer. 
a Selmer bassman. Okay. A Selmer bass, and it, and what gave it the unique sound was I played it so loud I blew the speakers out, and so that's why it sounded that way. And that's what I was gonna ask: is how did you get the fuzz? Like, there's a couple songs, yeah, like the Do We, um. Yeah, that has a super fuzz on it. I was yeah. like, man, it's really cool for. No, the the speakers are busted. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. And that and and it worked that way because if I would have used fuzz, I would have lost the bottom. Yeah, I got you. But using the speakers, and busted like that, it still maintained the bottom. Yeah, and it worked. It's uh, beautiful mistakes. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It was all happy mistakes. Yeah. So that so, you guys are playing in Hamburg, and the album, you have a full length album that mm-hmm. is put out, but yeah. they don't distribute it in America. No, we got we got a call. Polydora was very eager to get it distributed in America, and then uh, about six months later, our managers came to us and they said, "Well, uh, the distributor in America refuses to will not distribute it." Is it just because it was too over the top? Well, yeah, they said it was uh, politically incorrect. Mm -hmm. Why do you kill all those kids in Vietnam? Mm -hmm. Which was a point of contention. Yeah. And we argued about that among ourselves. Yeah. And uh, it was, they just said they couldn't do it. So it was banned, and it actually hit here in 1973. Oh, okay. By a, a, a girl group called the Luna Chicks. Oh, yeah, I know who they are. And they played us. Yeah. They played the, they played the Monk songs. Okay. And they, there was a, and I read about it in, and I, it was right after I, well, that was the thing that compelled me to write the book. Yeah. It was, I read about this group that, that one of the girls described as having been in Germany XGIs or AWOL GIs. They were AWOL. Yeah. And they were running from the army and saying, I hate you, but call me. And the army was looking for them and they couldn't find them. Yeah. And nobody knows what's happened to them ever since. And I said, that's the best, that's the best description I've ever heard. I like that one. Yeah. That's funny. That's <laughs> funny. That's cool. Um, so when you guys are playing in Hamburg, are you sharing the stage yet with other bands well in hamburg yeah we we would play one hour on and they and another band would play one hour yeah. on. i heard something <clears> about <throat> bill haley in the comments did you guys we played with bill haley in the comments in um storyville in uh cologne okay that's yeah. pretty amazing yeah we went on before him and he he sat out there in the audience and watched us yeah and I got a picture of him, <laughs> and he was very puzzled. Yeah. And he says, what are you guys doing? Boogie, boogie, boogie. The boogie, boogie. 
Um, did you ever see the Beatles or? No, I didn't. But no. I know that George Harrison talked about us. Oh, okay. He, gotcha. he, one time he says, uh, he says he was talking about some monks, and somebody asked him. He says, "No, not those monks. <laughs> I'm talking about real monks." Right. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. I'm paraphrasing. Because you guys were in pretty close proximity at one point, right? You just missed yeah. each other by a couple years, or well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then by that time, they had they had quit working in the top ten, uh-huh. and they went to the to the. Uh, it was right around the corner yeah. on Fr- Grosse Freiheitstrasse. Gotcha. It's an old, it's an old theater. Yeah. And actually, they weren't, they weren't as successful in there as they were in Top Ten. Oh, really? No, Top Ten Club was the best place to play. Right. Um. Did you? Were you guys fluent in German? I I learned German. Yeah, because I mean, or was there a lot of English spoken in Hamburg at the time? No, uh, I learned some of us. I uh, I learned German. Larry Spangler, the organ player, learned German, uh-huh. uh, and a couple of them didn't. Yeah, you know, but that's the way it is. Yeah. Did you guys ever consider singing in German, or did it, it did it even matter? No, I we didn't consider that yeah. because there at that time there was the pop German stuff. With a, ich möchte dich haben, my Liebling, you know, and so forth. Yeah. And it was just too sweet. We couldn't do it. Yeah, I got you. Did you guys play with Jimi Hendrix? Yes. And is that during this time? The... That was in Kiel, Germany. And... Uh, I mean, that's huge. Yeah. To me, that's huge. I mean, Jimi Hendrix is... Well, we ate dinner together. That's crazy. And... Uh, he sat at the table, and he was very quiet. Mm-hmm. And uh, both of his his partners, uh, we that night we went there, and uh, he was the total opposite of us. Oh yeah, we were two juxtaposed, all black, yeah, tonsor, all color, and and yeah. hair, you yeah. Know? And we went on before him, and we played, and Jimmy sat out in the middle of the audience, in the middle of the—it was a converted theater. Yeah. And he sat out there, and he watched us. And on the break, we went in a break, and he asked, he says, what is that thing that you're playing? Gary told him it's a fuzz pedal, or a wow-wow pedal. Oh, okay. And he hadn't seen a wow-wow pedal. Really? No. It's amazing. And that's what he used. Wow. He t- ended up using that a lot. That's crazy. And anyway, so he s- saw that, and it was interesting because he sat out in the middle of the audience, and nobody would sit next to him. He, I felt a kinship to him because the teenagers were afraid of us. Yeah. Just like they were afraid of him. Yeah. For different reasons, right. I guess. I don't know. Yeah. So... He would sit by himself in the middle of the audience and nobody talked to him the same way with us. Yeah. You know? That's cool. So when did um, you guys are playing Hamburg? Because I know there's like a, 
the regular album. It's the Black Monk time. And then, but you didn't release anything else at that time, right? No. Because there's some other... Well, we did some singles. Yeah. But those weren't released. That was... Well, the one single was released from the album. Yeah. That that came out at the same time. Oh, okay. And then we did some later ones at a different studio. Okay. And so you guys are playing um, mostly Germany still, or are you going around no, all of Europe? No, we played Germany, and then we went into, uh, we went into Sweden. Uh-huh. And we played uh, uh, Sweden. My most memorable occasion that I remember there mostly was that they put us up in a seminary. <laughs> and we didn't know it. Oh, really? And we had a wild party there that <laughs> night with all kinds of girls yeah. and whiskey and everything else. Yeah. And we walked down the next morning to check out. And the guy at the desk says, what kind of monks are you? What the hell are you doing? <laughs> You know, he says, what yeah. is this? And the manager, the, the tour director, sitting on the side, had a wry smile on his face. Wow. You know, like, he set it up, you know. Yeah. Set you guys up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what other countries were you playing? We got number four in Spain uh-huh. for... Uh, uh, the song uh, Cuckoo. Okay. Don't ask me why. I couldn't understand that one. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it hit number four. Uh-huh. And Germany, we were liked in the northern part and hated in the southern part. Do you know why? Well, because the southern part is Catholic. Okay. And the further north you go, yeah, the, the less Catholic yeah. it is. And the south, we play in the south. Uh, one night, we were playing down, I forget where it was, some place down by Munich. Uh-huh. And we were attacked on stage really? you know, by a guy who's trying to do us in. I hit a guy with my with my bass over oh, the head, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. You know? So it was it was pretty hectic. Yeah. Do you remember any other places that you weren't welcome like that? No, it, and basically... It's not that we weren't welcome. It's just that there were some always some radicals yeah. in the audience yeah. who didn't like it. Yeah. But for the most part, people were pretty open-minded. Yeah. They yeah. wanted something new and different. Yeah, yeah. And basically, uh, in Germany, that was one place where you could work. In a year and a half, we had three nights off. Yeah. In three years, we had three nights off. Wow. You know? You're working all the time. All the time. Yeah. And was that rough? Night after night. Yeah, playing? it wears you out. Yeah. And we would and when when we were touring, like with the Kinks or the Trogs or any of that stuff, we would play three towns in one day. An afternoon gig. Wow. And then and go to get in the car and jump to another place. Yeah. Play an early evening, jump in the car and go to another place and play one late show. Yeah. So did you do a full tours with the Kinks and the Trogs no, or no, just, just, just yeah, shows? Yeah, just shows. Do you remember what other bands that you, you played with? Um, did you guys ever play with the Sonics or the Seeds? No. No? No. Because I know those bands are kind of considered the same sort of genre and time period as you guys. No, I know the Seeds were pretty progressive. Yeah. Um, so you guys, when was the... Uh, like the beginning of the end for you guys. 
I think the beginning of the end was in uh, in Firth, down south. Uh-huh. And we were booked a whole month into a place there where we c- couldn't get anybody. Nobody come in. Ah, uh, okay. You know? Yeah. And we felt like and everybody was wearing out. And so the managers come up, we got a gig for you. It's in Vietnam. And... Uh, we said okay, we'll go, but then uh, one of our one of the guys up in the guy that used to harass us in in uh, in Hamburg, who did my Bonnie Lies Over the Ocean. Yeah, he went out. He went before us there, and one of his band members got killed by somebody rolling a great grenade oh, on the stage, and then our guys, a couple of them, said they didn't want to go. Yeah. And then we says, well, to hell with it. And then the next thing I know, we were, well, I didn't even know we broke up. I w- showed up to catch the plane and was read a letter from Gary, from to Gary from Roger saying, uh, I'm not going to be there. Yeah. And we says, well, we can't do anything because, and then Gary took off. And he went back. Gary and Roger went back to the States. <clears throat> Dave stayed there for a couple of years afterwards. Yeah. And became homeless. And he lived in a tent in the woods. Wow. Uh, and uh, and I worked in a uh, restaurant. I got a job in a restaurant. As a wine steward, mm-hmm. selling wine, I would. My job was to deliver it from the basement up, upstairs in the, on yeah. the, you know, every bottle of wine that I would sell, every bottle of wine I'd open them, and take a sip out of. I got to be a great wine expert <laughs> before it was over with. And this is in Germany. Yeah. Yeah. And one day I was walking down the street in Hamburg, and these two girls were walking down there. And he stopped and stared at me. He says, aren't you Eddie Shaw from the Monks? And I said, nein, ich verstehe nicht. Ich weiß nicht, was du meinst. Ich verstehe kein English. And I kept on walking. Uh-huh. <laughs> so when you guys were um, playing this whole time, I mean, were you, did you have permanent homes in Germany? I mean, were you making enough money to have a life in Germany? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we, we were making as much as an executive was. Okay. Yeah. And then the, I mean, and the album, was was it selling well? I mean, was the record label, like, happy and... Well, they weren't happy, but they weren't disappointed either. Okay, you know? I gotcha. I gotcha. It was just, what can we do? We're going to have patience and everything. But we ran out of patience first. Yeah. Were you guys playing only the songs that you had recorded or were you writing new songs we wrote some new songs and we and we tried to tone things down actually we started turning against ourselves uh-huh we when polydor the record company says well right now the what's new all of a sudden there was these groups coming out doing soft rock yeah they said soft rock is in you're gonna have to go soft rock and we tried it. Yeah. And that was the death knell. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 
So do you, when you guys were writing these songs, did you have any bands that influenced you, or were you just kind of trying to do your own thing? There wasn't any bands that influenced us because, uh, because the way we worked, we were working within our group, within ourselves. That's right. what influenced us. Oh, I How, if I play, if I, as a bass player, if I play too many notes, the banjo player is going to yell at me because I'm not, because he's rock and roll. Yeah. And if the guitar player plays too much country, he's going to get yelled at. So everybody's adapting. Yeah. And that's what we did. Yeah. I got you. And that's what came, that's what the yeah. sound came. You yeah. invented your own, yeah. your own thing. So after you guys kind of break up, what did, how long did you stay in Germany? What did you do? I after stayed that? there for another six months and then caught a, a tramp steamer home. Larry and I, Larry found a tramp steamer for $160, I think. Uh huh. And my wife and I, I was married that time. Uh huh. We got on the tramp steamer and it took us a week to get home. And uh, from when I landed in Saint New Orleans, I w- went to the bus depot in New Orleans and Went to Carson City. Yeah. And what'd you do in Carson? Well, I w- got to Carson City and decided it was a bust. Yeah. And so I looked for a job, and I found one driving for a, a test car company, Hodges Transportation, uh-huh. something like that. Yeah. And I was a test driver, and I drove eight hours or six hours a day, going 80 miles an hour Uh Constant 80 miles an hour blowing out tires. Wow. Where was this? That was in Carson City. Oh, it was? Yeah. Okay. But we'd go out on the highway. Yeah. You know. Gotcha. And I did that for about three or four months. Uh Uh-huh. And then I learned of a school, Brown Institute in in, in Minneapolis. So I went to Minneapolis to go to school and spend my GI Bill. Uh Uh-huh. And while I was there, I met a saxophone player. And I was, and I bought my trumpet, and he and I just started playing together. And then the next thing I knew, we were, we played with. Uh, that was a totally different experience. Yeah. Then, then we recorded in Nashville on Capitol, uh-huh. and in Chicago, on RCA, uh-huh. playing jazz stuff. Yeah. And totally different. How'd you get a record deal? I mean, how did that? It seemed to be. I seemed to have luck that way. Yeah, it's just uh, you, you, where I am. Somebody comes up and offers one. Yeah, and I say, you know, and it's not me. Right. I know that. Right. But I just happen to be. I. I can work together with people. Yeah, and so I I try to be the worst musician in the band. Right. Because if you're the worst, then you're totally motivated. Right. You know, if you're the best one, you're bored. Yeah. <laughs> so how are those recording experiences compared to the Monk stuff? Well, it was totally different. In 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 Nashville, I recorded in the Mercury Studios and in Ray Price's studio. Wow. Uh, with Bob Johnson, who was Bob Dylan's producer. Oh, okay. And Simon and Garfunkel and all wow. those places. He'd always say, Eddie, Eddie. You what? What are you going to do next now, Eddie? He wanted me to. Uh, he, we would play, and he 
he would uh, say, okay, 80, he, 80, take his solo right here. And these were in my wilder days. Right here I was a lot wilder than I was when I was in the monks. Oh, okay. Because I was in a no zone. I was in an ozone, right. you know. And uh, I would play a, so I'd play a solo. I'd go, D, 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 stop it, stop it. Eddie, <laughs> what are you doing? I said, I'm playing one note. I know you're playing one note. Why? Well, I'm playing, listen, this is happy. This is sad. And this is angry. Eddie, that's only one note. Stop it. You know? Right. But he put up with me, you know, yeah. for some reason. Yeah. And he wanted me to, he got me a house there. He wanted me to move there. He'd be a studio musician. A lot of my friends from Germany did end up in Nashville as yeah. studio musicians. So how long did the jazz thing last? I mean, how long were you doing that stuff? That lasted for about three years. Yeah. And did you, um, did you like it more than Monk's? It was different. So with the monks, it was Spartan, you know. Yeah. And and uh, minimalist. Yeah. With uh, with Copperhead, Minnesota, it was excess. Yeah. Anything worth doing. Anything worth doing is worth doing to excess. That was my philosophy then. So it was just. Put overfilling it, yeah, filling it with flowers and blooms and yeah, all kinds of stuff, you know. Yeah. So what ha- what did you do after that? Well, after that, we broke up, and then my wife had a child, mm-hmm. and another child, and I was traveling, and I decided I couldn't do it. I better stay home and be a dad. Yeah. And that's what I did. Yeah. Did you move to Carson City then? I moved to Carson City. I worked there for a while and then came back to Carson City in 85, 86, uh-huh. and stayed there, and then I started writing books. Oh, okay. And But the Monk's book didn't come for a while. Well, the Monk's book came after, during that stay there. I wrote right. it in that house. Gotcha. Gotcha. So when did, so when you were doing the jazz stuff and then the book writing stuff, did Monk stuff ever come up or was it just kind of in the, in the, in the background? It was in the background until those two guys showed up. Yeah. And those guys showed up in Carson City. Yeah. Like they hunted you down because yeah. they were fans yeah. of of the Monks. Yeah. And I didn't even know anybody. Knew of them. Yeah. So you weren't getting any kind of checks from album sales or anything for no. Monks. Like it was... No, it was out of sight, out of mind type deal, and all no. of a sudden these guys show up, and you're like, "What the heck?" Yeah, well, and for years it was there was nothing, and then we, and when I came back, and I put out the book, then I talked to Bug Music in, in Los Angeles. Yeah, uh, David Hirschland, who's from Reno, uh-huh. he was the vice president of Bug Music. Oh wow! And they're publisher administrators, and I signed up with them. And he led me through the process of establishing a publishing company and uh-huh. so forth. And then he got us the soundtrack on Big Lebowski uh-huh. and all these other things, you know, Powerade, yeah. all of these. Uh, lately, Apple 7, iPhone, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then we started seeing checks. 
Wow. Some people knew who was, but they didn't know where they could buy it. So was <clears throat> Black Monk Time still owned by the record label? or We were... disputed it. Okay. And Universal bought Polydor, and then they said they owned it. And it was a little tough going there for a while. Gotcha. Because they insisted they they kept all the royalties. Yeah. They said, well, we bought it. Yeah. You know, and the Beatles went through this. All kinds of people went through this stuff. Yeah. Where it says, for infinity, you know. Yeah. Infinity, you're not going to be here. I'm not going to yeah. be here. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But anyway, we, we hashed it out and made some understandings, and yeah. we got through it. Well, how did it feel to have people actually care so long after the fact? Well, it felt fulfilling. Yeah. I mean, you felt, well, I I guess I did something right. Right. You know? It was just, I mean, did it blow your mind? Like, oh, my gosh, this is coming back, and, like, people actually... Well, at the time, well, yeah, right then it blew my mind in a way, but... If it would have happened a little earlier, it wouldn't have blown my mind because I still had in my idea I was going to make it someday. Gotcha. I know you guys played like a show in like 2000 or something like we that played, in New York. We played six or seven shows in, from 1999 starting at, in New York, which was interesting. Yeah. And did that just come about because people started knowing who you were? Yeah, well, kind of- yeah, that was the interesting part was that uh, we got a call f- to play. Uh, it was a concert at the at a th- the old theater in, in New York. And we went there, and all of a sudden, the place was full, yeah. packed. Yeah. And when we were playing, people were singing the songs, and they knew all the words. Yeah. And then we went to Barcelona. Yeah. And in Barcelona, we played... And everybody showed up dressed as monks and nuns. <laughs> and it was wild. Yeah. That's that, that was called a wild weekend. Yeah. That one. Yeah, that's cool. And we played Las Vegas and Switzerland and Austria and Berlin, Frankfurt, yeah. London. Yeah, all of a sudden then we felt like we were, then we felt like we were somebody. I mean, I don't even know how to explain the feeling of of this happening so long after the fact. You did all this hard work, yeah, and then you felt like it was for nothing, and then all of a sudden, I'm people are knocking su- on your door. People are asking. Well, to I'm put still out surprised records. today, yeah, that somebody will say, "I know somebody that knows the monks," or "I know the monks," yeah, and you know, and I never expected that, yeah. Well, I just find it interesting that I think it took a while because you guys were so far ahead. You know what I mean? Like, I see when I listen to it now because I know about punk rock. I see. Well, now it sounds old. I don't know if it does. You know, I mean, it only sounds old because of the recordings and, you know, but it's not. To me, it's. I mean, I keep thinking about 1964. If it was recorded today, it would be heavier. Yes. It would, yeah. be, it would be fuller. Absolutely, but to, yeah. to, to do what you did in 1964, yeah. I mean, it's amazing. You know, very stripped-down yeah. music, the rhythm, yeah. and it's still, to me, like, when I listen to it, I'm like, these guys are professional musicians. It sounds, yeah. you know, really good. I just think it's, um, 
to me it's it's exciting like i'm i was nervous to come talk to you today because mm. i you know i just i look up to what you guys did and and kind of paved the way for a lot of the music that i listen to in one way or another may not have been at the time but mm. i just think it's it's um it's huge to me and i look up to my uncle who talked about you guys you know 15 17 15 years ago yeah. and i just it, you know it I don't know. When I found out that you were from Carson and you lived in this area, I was like, I know everybody in Carson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I used to hang out at the Old Globe. Really? I spent so much money there. <laughs> There's a bus to me in there. Oh, really? Yeah. What are you doing besides writing books? You know, right you... now I'm right now. I'm, in fact, as of today, I'm finishing the mastering. I remastered some unreleased tracks of Minnesota. Okay. And they're put together 12 songs. Mm -hmm. I'm doing the album cover and it's going to go out maybe tomorrow or day after tomorrow oh, to the cool. manufacturer. Oh, cool. And then that's going to be sold in in uh, in uh, Minneapolis because we 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 were uh, we played Minneapolis everywhere. Yeah. And Prince was our roadie at a time wow. for a little while when he was 14 years old. Wow. And we played uh, the same kind of music that he plays. Uh -huh. We were more jazz, yeah. but he's got a little bit of what we did in it. Did you do anything after the Monks reunion? Did you play music after that? No, I, I, don't, I, I haven't played anything live, but I've been recording songs here. Gotcha. I've got... I've got 60 unreleased songs on tape. Yeah. And, and it's uh, all jazz. No, no. No, no, it's it's some of it's kraut rock. Oh cool. That's great. That's yeah. awesome. I can play you a track or two if you want sure. to hear it. I'd love to hear it. Well, I appreciate you talking to me. Okay. Is there anything else you want to say? Uh, hello mom. <laughs> <laughs>